0: I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of exposure floor. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Now, remember, given the payday, as
1: you been accounted for, okay? 610V, That was the name day, day. 610V. I'm not uh, here. We got a fire. One and a half story, single-family dwelling. Fire shown from the second floor. Give me a second alarm on this. i up to the top
0: floor. I got people hanging out the top floor windows with a baby.
1: Commercial building, uh, a lot of fire, a lot of smoke. Go ahead and strike a third alarm on my orders on this. We've
0: got people on the front fire here windows under
1: below them. We need somebody up there. Yeah, let them know we got a job. I'm pulling up now. Second alarm, I got a one story single family frame, heavy fire showing from the attic. So we're using all hands. We got one line stretch,
0: fire on the fourth floor, second line being stretched. Primary stretches
1: are underway. Welcome back to Old School. I'm Chief Rick Lasky along with my good, good buddy, Chief John Sulka. And, uh, we're going to run another topic by you today, uh, with our old school podcast. Um, want to throw a shout out to, uh, our good, good friend, uh, chief Jeff Bryant with the Amboy Illinois fire department and, uh, his partner, partner in crime, Nick Dingus, uh, Nick's assistant chief, uh, in sublet right next door and following his father's footsteps. Uh, uh, they, uh, they own, uh, Dingus fire, uh, uh. the biggest fire company, a great, great, great business. We love them. There's another shameless plug, but for a great, great outfit, um, and they'll pretty much handle any of your firefighting needs, uh, apparatus or equipment wise or whatever, but, uh, shout out to Jeff and and all the guys there. I know they, uh, recently lost one of their members. Um, uh, Dave is what, what, and you, John, you met him a bunch of times when you've been out there. What a great, great guy Dave was and uh, um, they did a very nice, uh, tribute to him, uh, after his funeral, uh, he had Johnny had a large statue of a firefighter in his, in, a, in his yard that his wife asked, donated and asked for it to, do, to be displayed. It's right next to the marquee in front of the firehouse. It's so cool. Um, and boys just what a class act. Great, great people. Uh, like I said, just recently, we're talking weeks. Uh, they lost, they lost Dave and, uh, uh what, a, what, a, what, a, what a great, great guy. Um, and we we miss him dearly. Um, I love him every time I was there. Hey, uh, John, how about we talk about? Uh, and th- th- this popped up from one of our from one of our listeners. Uh, and we've we've had this conversation in different kind of directions and that. But about holding your ho- holding your officers accountable. Hold your officers accountable. Holding your you know whether it's company officer chief officers accountable. And I grabbed this. I grabbed this off of um, off of the web. I saw somebody posted this, and I thought what a great way to start this one off. Um, and it's from your department. It's from your career department, um, uh, the fire department in New York FDNY. And let me, let me read it. This is, this is pretty cool. This is a, I guess you call them special orders. Uh, You know, um, it's from headquarters and it's with special order, special order number one thirty six. Okay. And, and, uh, it's from, it's from, um, uh, the chief of department, John Kenlin to, Fire Commissioner Thomas J. Drennan. So, from Chief of Department Chief John Kenlin to Commissioner Thomas J. Drennan. Dear Sir, the repair shop is swamped with apparatus, some partially wrecked, and others' uh, uh, pieces almost totally wrecked due to accidents while responding to and returning from alarms of fire. You and I have had many conferences on this matter, and it was agreed. That the only possible way to stop it was to hold the officer in charge responsible and to enforce the responsibility by, by fines in the trial room. In the trial room. I am free to confess that I know of no other way. I cannot stop this reckless driving of apparatus if the officer who is sitting alongside the chauffeur permits it to go on. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would ask you to consider this matter very carefully and, and, and accept it can be clearly shown by impartial testimony that the fire apparatus, except, okay, was not at fault. So if they weren't at fault, it was not proceeding at an undue or reckless rate of speed. I am of the opinion that officer in charge should be fined. This will stop the destruction of apparatus and stop it quickly. Nothing else that I know of will have any effect. Very respectfully, John Kenlin, chief of department. This was to, you know, Thomas J. Drennan, fire commissioner, John, this 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 the special order is dated july thirty-first, nineteen twenty-five. Nineteen twenty-five. Wow. And now wow. the now the the commissioner responded at the bottom of the letter. It says, I fully approve of your letter. and suggests a severe warning to be sent to all officers. So let's talk that's nineteen twenty-five. And and you have the, the chief of the department write putting it in writing to the commissioner saying, Enough already with, with guys wrecking the rigs, you know, to and now, from calls. And look at the date. It's almost 100 years, 100, almost
0: a century ago in a fire department that still exists, that, that existed then and existed now. And and the way you read it, it could have been written yesterday. Oh. Not, not that we're having any particular problem right now in the FDMY or anywhere else, but certainly apparatus accidents and the banging up of apparatus and, and – and, and who is responsible? It's always an interesting conversation when you go to like an EVOC class, emergency vehicle operations, um, or w- w- when when you're involved with, meaning not you personally in the vehicle, but your department or a neighboring department, or you hear about an apparatus accident, you see it online somewhere. It's always an interesting discussion between like the firefighters and the officers, I guess, and then the chiefs are, are a third angle on that. You know, like a lot of people, like, well, you know what? Just like driving your car, you drive your car, you crash your car, you're responsible. It's not, it's not your wife in the right hand seat. And I, I always try and make the point to guys. I said, yeah, but this is a fire department apparatus, it's a governmental agency, and, and it's not your wife on the right hand side. It, obviously, somebody driving a vehicle is to some degree responsible. Even a firefighter who's driving a fire apparatus on duty is to some degree responsible. For, for the operation of that vehicle. He's the one that got that the gas and the brake and the steering wheel. On the other hand, it's, it's an on-duty fire department vehicle, governmental agency, and the officer is the one that's responsible for the safety of the trip. And the officer's the one that's responsible for how that chauffeur handles it. Obviously, if the chauffeur's speeding, if the chauffeur causes some kind of a crash because of negligence, he might be cited by the police with, with a summons. Especially nowadays. The officer can't get a summons. He's not operating the vehicle. But the officer's responsible to who? Back to the fire department. Back to the chiefs of the fire department and the administration of the fire department. Who is the, who's? the They're the boss, right? The officer has a boss, and it's the fire department. And if he is not controlling his chauffeurs, I remember when I was a young lieutenant, I got assigned to squad one, but before I got assigned, I got detailed. Very common in FDNY. They send you somewhere what they call on an onion skin and you go and you work there for a couple of months. It could be quite a few months before they decide if they want you, if the officer, you know, if the the chiefs decide if they want you or if you decide if you want to stay. Anyway, I was riding in and working in and commuting to squad one in Brooklyn for a while. And at one point I came home and told my wife, I'm not sure if I can stay there. She said, "Why? it's too far, almost 80 miles. Right. I said, no, it's 80, it's 81 miles. It's over 80 miles, but that's not it. She said, what is it? I said, I got to tell you. Some of the guys there drive so fast, I'm sitting up in the office, hoping we don't have a run. You know, I I said, they're scaring the crap out of me. Now, now what was my problem? I know what my problem was. What was my problem? Just by that statement, what was my problem? My problem was I wasn't, I wasn't assertive enough. I wasn't comfortable enough as an officer yet to say, Hey, Hey, slow down. What was your name again? Tommy, Tommy, slow down. You're making me nervous or slow down. You're going too fast. And you know what? If you take responsibility, if the company officers take responsibility for what they do and, and, and they are accountable, it's not going to happen. I worked with officers. I never was a chauffeur. But I worked with officers that you wouldn't dare be really, really speed or, or blow through a red light without slowing down or stopping first. I worked with officers that you wouldn't even think about doing that because they, they let it be well known that you were going to drive reasonably, and if they told you to slow down, you were expected to slow down, the next turn of the wheel, you were supposed to be slowing down, you know. So it's a pretty important, it's a pretty important topic.
1: Well, where I was raised, the officer was held accountable, and, and I still feel that way where, you know, when, when, the, when the driver was negligent, whatever they did, the first person you talked to was the officer. And I remember one time, John, a captain, going, but I wasn't driving a rig. And I'm like, you own the rig. You jump in that front seat. You know, and, and whether the guys are belted or not belted is your responsibility. Whether they're ready to go or not ready to go is your responsibility. You, that's your rig. First of all, that should all be determined, like you said, ahead of time. You know, sitting down and defining your expectations, you know, what you expect from your people, you know, on your, your volunteer department or your career or your shift or whatever. This is what I expect as a firefighter, you know, to turn out quickly, safely, be fully, you know, be fully dressed, blah, 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 get off the rig with your tools in your hands, so and so forth. But but you know for someone you know and and I love this part in this this, this special order, John, towards the end when he says, you know about about holding the officer accountable, I, you know when he says I am of the opinion that the officer in charge should be fined, and he follows it up by saying this will stop the destruction of apparatus and stop it quickly. Haven't you said that before? The first time as a boss you have to ding someone and they did it to themselves. Everybody else kind of sits up and says. Okay, I better I better change that stuff. You know, or or how about this? This one's serious about this shit. This this one's actually serious about it. When you actually hold your people accountable. So, to, but talk before we get too far. You just you just mentioned that classic what we talk about that classic scenario of buddy the boss of you were a newly promoted lieutenant coming off busy companies eleven truck rescue three all this stuff and you make it to squad one which was this squat. You know, Donny Hayde was a captain. Oh, my God, I rode out there. What a great firehouse and a busy-ass firehouse. firehouse. Oh, and, boy, am I glad I stayed. Oh, and you've got, to, you've got to be special to be there. That's a pretty cool place, you know. But talk about that, John. You know, the, the hesitancy on your end, this is that whole, you know, you, you say it all the time. You're not up there just to beep the horn. You're in charge right. now. Right. And you know what? You and I were both chiefs for
0: a long time, different chiefs ranks for a long time in different places. I remember having this conversation, not a couple of times, numerous times over the course of my 16 or 17 years as a chief officer um, with young lieutenants. I never had a problem with young captains because young captains were lieutenants before that. They had their feet wet. They, they knew what they were doing. They were, they were established company officers. But but young, brand-new lieutenants are really just firefighters you know, masquerading as officers, right? They're still inside their heart and soul. They're still <laughs> thinking and acting like firefighters. And that's wonderful stuff. I love firefighters. But but sometimes it's hard for young officers to, 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 to set down the rules and to say, hey, hey, I'm in charge here. You're going to do what I want to do. You know, and in the FDNY, it's even harder because so many places in the FDNY run smoothly and they run smoothly with, with the help and the assistance of senior firefighters. It's been... Decades sometimes in a firehouse, while lieutenants come and go and come and go and come and go, come in three, four, five years, get promoted to captain, they're out of there. Captain comes three, four, five years, gets promoted to chief, he's out of there. But sometimes senior people stay somewhere for a long time, and and they they start to become part of the the structure there. So having said that, it's even a little bit harder sometimes for a young, junior, maybe even relatively inexperienced officer to to put their foot down with senior firefighters or with chauffeurs that are not doing something criminal. They're just pushing, they're put, pushing a limit. They're driving a little too fast. They're pulling out a little bit too quickly. They're backing up maybe too quickly. And I've told them all the same story and I've already figured out what the answer is as you, as you well know as well. The answer is you got to speak up. You got to say, hey, hey, Tommy, st- stop right there. Don't back up that fast. I want you to slow down when you're backing up. I don't know too many firefighters that are either going to A, argue with you or B, do it again. No firefighter really wants to be yelled at by his officer. And I don't really consider that yelling. I consider it being a little assertive by asserting yourself. If you assert yourself while you're driving, hey, hey, Tim, slow down while you're driving, while the siren's going. Or if you decide to wait till you get back and say, Timmy, you know what? I don't want you to drive like that again. You're going to slow down. I'm taking you out of the seat. Case closed. And that's it. So sometimes you got to assert yourself a little bit. And it's uncomfortable and the whole buddy to boss thing is hard. We know it's hard being a firefighter and then being a lieutenant and suddenly having to either raise your voice or become a little assertive with the people that you work with, but it's well worth it, particularly, and it's not only for driving, but it's
1: particularly important for driving and and operating emergency vehicles. Well, and again, you know, we've talked about defining our expectations for our people so many times, you know, and unfortunately some places, you know, I worked for a boss at one time that would, you know, instead of talking to the one individual, would punish everybody. You know what I'm saying? That whole scorch the earth thing. It's like, why don't you go after the person that committed a violation and hold them accountable and not punish all the other good people for something they did? But at the same time, you know, how many times we have we talked about the officer? I, I was at a funeral, on a funeral, with, sitting with the chief, John, sitting with the chief. We're talking about the funeral. We're planning a line of duty that funeral for one of his guys and remember I told you this, he's, he's crying so hard. You could see a couple times the teardrop splashing his coffee cup that was in front of him on his desk. Cause he leaned over and I'm just, you know, you know, it's so you run the funeral, you're, you're there to be the silent team, right? To be the silent team to go in and let them grieve and run it. So we don't forget anything and so on and so forth. And I remember John had crying. He looked up and he goes, I should have said something. And I said, what do you mean? Chief?" he goes, I should have said something, I should have yelled. I go, what do you mean? He goes, and I'll make up a name. You know, he says, Troy and I, we went through grade school together, high school, the academy together. We've been on his job over 30 years together. He goes, we, we, we're good friends. He goes, I should have said something. And I go, keep going. He goes, well, I'm sitting in the command car and I'm looking. And I'm I'm saying to myself, sure enough he sees what's going on above his head with the fire. He goes, anyone else? I would say, hey, 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 back out, back out, back out. See you above you, back out. He goes, I didn't want to do that because I didn't want to embarrass him or piss him off. He was, I should have said something. And I, and, and I'm sitting there in myself, you know, my head, my head, a little squirrel of my head on it, you know, is, is sitting there, sitting there going, yeah, we, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. We wouldn't be playing a funeral. If you would have said something, if you stop being the buddy and be the boss, and if he's any kind of a buddy, he would recognize that, right? You know, they, he would go, Oh shit, Chief, I'm sorry. You know what? I'm glad you saw. I mean, if you get offended when an officer catches you or grabs you or says, hey, slow down, put your face piece on, get a backer, put your seatbelt on, we're in too far, whatever, you, you shouldn't get mad at them. You should be like, oh crap, okay, good. Thanks, 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 LT, or thanks, Captain. Thanks, Chief. And know that they're looking out for you.
0: And, and I'll, I'll tell you, there's there's different, you know, and not not the problem, but the thing that people have to remember is meeting firefighters and officers is. Everybody's a little bit different. Every, we've all worked with an officer that was a stickler on every little rule, every little mile per hour, every little, whether you're wearing the right shirt, the right color socks, the, your mustache was, yep. You know. And then we all worked with officers that didn't worry about some stuff, but worried about the important stuff. And then we all worked with some officers that didn't worry about anything, right? So, and then everything in between. So there's a lot of different ways for this to be handled. So that's the one thing. You, you, you got to get to know your own boss your own officer, and uh, your officer's got to get, get to know your firefighters and establish relationships where you can be honest with them and tell them, hey, Billy, you're really driving too fast on the last run. Do you, don't you think? Yeah, I guess I was a little sidetracked. I was, I was excited about what was going on, and you know, or whatever it was. So that's the one thing. The other thing you got to remember is, is it, it, you know once you're an officer, and, and it takes guys months and sometimes years to figure it out, it is your responsibility. You are responsible in the eyes of the fire department to take care of the apparatus, to take care of the people, to take care of the tools, to take care of the equipment, to take care of the firehouse. I, I had a saying all the time. I said it kidding around, and most of the time that I said it, I was. it, was, it wasn't It was a kidding around atmosphere, although it was a true statement. And my statement was, it's always the officer's fault. Now, now the guys that are company officers are thinking, oh, here we go, everything's my fault. <laughs> well, listen, the only thing I can tell you is the sooner you realize that, the better off you're going to be and the more successful officer you're going to be, the sooner you realize that every time something happens, the typical chief, the average chief is going to look to you for answers. They're going to look to you for what's going on there. I remember one time, I remember that story I told about sending a company up. I I sent an engine company up one time to do a secondary search in a building. The fire was out, nothing really hairy going on. I I didn't feel like special call on additional trucks. So I sent one of my own engine companies from my battalion. They were standing around. They were in reserve. They hadn't been used. I said, do me a favor, run upstairs and do a secondary search, take a couple of guys, would you please, Lieutenant, he's your sure chief, and he disappears with the guys and they go up and do it. A few minutes later, they report that it's done and they're on the way out, I tell them they can take up. As they're coming down, I watch, none of them are carrying any tools, they're all walking out the front door of the building without any tools in their hands. I'm saying to myself, how the hell did they do a secondary search without having any tools? So as the fireman walked past me, they all greeted me. How are you doing, Chief? Good, Billy. How are you? Hey, hey, Chief, what's up? Hi, Frank, what's up? Say hi to your dad. And a third guy would walk past me. Then a lieutenant attempted to walk past me. Okay, Chief, we can take it up. I said, no, don't be mad. Hold on a second. <laughs> and I went right back to him. It was the firefighters that didn't have the tools, but I went right to the officer. Why don't you guys have tools? Oh, I, I apologize, Chief. He said, you know, when I walked in uh, first, they followed me in. I thought they grabbed tools and they did not. But when we got up there, you know, 27 was up there. We, we used a couple of their tools to open the windows and stuff like that, and and, and we're fine. We 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 did a good job, chief. I apologize for for them not having tools. I said, okay, good, good. Let's uh, let's let's pay attention next time. He said, you got it. And that was the end of the issue. But the point was, I buttonholed the officer. He was the last guy in line coming out, and I didn't even talk to the to the firefighters about it, even though those were the, those are the three people that didn't have a tool in their hand. You know, so again, I'll reiterate my point. It's always the officer's fault. That's why we have officers. Otherwise, we would just let five firefighters climb on a rig or four or three or whatever your staffing is and let them do what they want to do and hope that it turned out right. Instead, we take somebody, we designate them, we train them, we, we, we bless them and we give them the responsibility and we hold them responsible. And, that, and when you take that job, you should know that. And if you don't want to be responsible, then by all means, stay in a back crew compartment with a black helmet and pull hose and break windows and, and force doors and have fun. But if you want to sit in the front, Know that I'm going to come
1: looking for you when something doesn't go right because you're responsible. And that's volunteer career. We're all the same. Absolutely, no we'll, we'll, we'll say that again. One gets paid, one doesn't. Both firefighters, both take the same risks. God bless us both. Both sides of that. But John, you you said you, you said this in class. I've said it before. Actually, we, we we talk about our leadership program about you know you know leadership is like parenting. No, nobody nobody does it the same, right? And I've said this a bunch of times, you know, children are quite often a reflection of the parenting they receive, you know, not always you could have a kid that's just out there, right. You know, or, or whatever, but the majority of time it's, it's how things are run in the home. And we've said, it's the same thing. I, I truly believe it's the same thing in the firehouse. Your firefighters are going to act how you as a chief or as a company officer allow them to act. If they get off the rig, and they're not dressed. You as a company officer allow that. If they get off the rig, and they don't, they're not, they, they're dressed, but they don't have their tools with them. You allow that to happen. If, if they don't grab a hydrant, if they don't mask up the right way, if they don't wear their seat, but all we could go on and on, you know, if they don't check the rigs or whatever, you allow that to happen. And and again, well, let's say this, you don't have to be a jackass. You don't have to be, you know, one of these bosses always yelling, hollering, screaming, not to say you don't have to coach loud once in a while. We've all had to do that. But at the same time, be a boss, be, be a lieutenant, be a company officer you know, and, and you don't have to – You, can, I mean, you know, and you said it. It's hard for a lot of newer officers to make that adjustment because they were just riding backwards with their buddies a little while ago. Now they're in charge. So you always talk about you have to grow your legs, grow your sea legs, you know, get comfortable in that position. So as a newer lieutenant or captain, whichever that first jump is for you, there's some slack. We cut you some slack there at first about, okay, we you know, like give you a chance to get comfortable in the role. But that shouldn't be – a long time that should you know, a year from now. We should be waiting for you still to tell your guys, you know, after there's a couple of times you go, okay, I'll give you a mulligan on that. They didn't check the rig the right way, or he, he got off the rig. He didn't have his tool like, chief I already talked to him. We're good to go. Okay, good cap. Appreciate that. You know, that kind of thing. A year later, no, you know, you're, you're allowing them to do that. You're allowing your people whether it's violate rules or SOGs, or just not be good at what they do. And, and again, how many times we talk about this, John, you and I both appeal to the competitiveness of the firefighters, not the nasty, stupid, get yourself hurt stuff, but God, don't you want to be great? Don't you want to be the firehouse? Don't you want to be the engine company, truck company that when you're pulling up, there's Chief Salka, Sal Grove standing there going, and he's actually picking past someone else to grab you, you know, and I, met, I mentioned this story quite often. And I didn't mean it when it happened the way it came out. I was at a fire neighboring community. I was chief of Louisville. And it's about 530 night this time of year. So it's dark already, right? And we had an exposure lighting off, uh, you know, exposure DN, you know. And the chief of the department, I was there. He says, hey, grab a company. Grab. He goes, grab one of those companies coming on the street, grab them, and get on an exposure for me, Rick. I said, got it. I'll grab the Louisville crew. <laughs> and He goes, how do you know which one's Louisville? Because all you can see is their silhouettes. I said, because they're the ones that have their tools, you know. Well, the other crew was one of his guys. Not one of them had a tooler hand. Now, he later on, you know, he came up to me and goes, was that a shot at my guys? I go, no. I didn't even know those were your guys. I just saw two crews walking on the street. I'm like, well, I know my guys don't ever get off the rig without their tools in their hands or whatever, unless they're pulling hose. I know those are my guys because I can just tell they're swagger. They've got their tools. They're ready to go to work. And that's because the captain – right? How many times when, – when you were a captain of 48 engine, you didn't have to. You had great guys. You run a ton of fire stuff. But once in a while, you still had to tell someone, look, I am not going to be the captain of, some, of, of a company that we don't look at. You said about the EMS calls. We've talked about this a bunch of times. When the guys are upset about having to run more EMS calls. Look, we're not going to pick and choose we're going to be great at. This is 48 engine. We're not, we're one of the best, if not the best, engine in the city, and that means we'll be best at everything. We're not gonna pick and choose what we're gonna be great at. You know, you can't you can't do that. You can't well, I'm gonna i to I'm. It's like it's like baseball players. I I'm, I'm still amazed at baseball players who can't bunt, just like a basketball player can't shoot a free throw. In in baseball and in softball, before when all the years coaching softball, before you did anything else in the batting cage, you had to bunt first. You have to sh- show me you, can, you have eye coordination, back coordination, and you can lay down a butt. Then you can swing away. Well, isn't it the same thing with us in the fire service? Before we can get jump out of helicopters and do all this other crap, show me you can take responsibility. You can take care of your rig and all that stuff. And as a boss, that you can actually share that your people are doing this stuff, right? Yes. And
0: I'll tell you another important point that involves other people is, uh, I, I mentioned as a chief, you know, having to talk to some young lieutenants about this when they were early you know, in their career as an officer. Um, but, but it takes other officers as well. I mean, the FDMY, we were fortunate. We get three lieutenants and a captain in a house. So while you're working, you, you, you had a boss in house even before the chief. And a, and a captain might notice that, you know, if you get a new lieutenant, you know, pay a little extra attention to him, see how things are going. You know, you can talk to the guys or the chauffeurs and see how, how that officer is doing drill, see how he's doing roll call, see how he is on runs. And if, you, and if you're starting to get reports either from other chiefs or other officers about them, you know, it, it's even easier for a captain to, to talk to a young lieutenant and say, hey, listen, I know, I know you're a new officer. I've been a captain now for 10 years. I was a lieutenant for eight years. You know, I've been doing this a long time. Here's what you need to try and do, it'll, it'll, it'll help you out a lot. So rather than being like a supervisory discussion, it's almost like a buddy discussion between two company officers. So, so company officers should pay attention to that too. When a new officer is in your battalion or in your house or on the other shift, you should spend some time uh, assisting them. A lot of places don't have company officer training. A lot of places you take a test, you get promoted. Maybe you get a day or two of instruction. Boom, and they throw you out in the field. That, that's really not adequate. And if that's the way your department is handled or in a volunteer fire department, you win an election, you get, boom, you're, you're an officer. Somebody needs to let you know what the expectations are. You and I are big on expectations, Rick. We've always told people what's expected. If you let people know what's expected and help them, and guide them most of the time they're going to satisfy you in the fire service most people are very happy to be in the fire service to be an officer to be a new officer they're not going to just blow you off and say listen i'm good i'll, I'll work my shift do you, your work shift. you know and you take care of your own that's not what you're going to hear if you if you tell people what's expected of them and you help them out a little bit give them some guidance and some assistance and some advice i think you're probably going to have a, a good uh, good situation
1: well you're helping to be successful it's kind of hard to be successful in a new position when nobody gives you the playbook when nobody tells you this is what's expected of you both at an incident and more importantly back in the firehouse. And you see this so often later where a chief or somebody sits down with someone later on. And I'm like, later on is where we, shit, the the water's already run down the, you know, into the river under the bridge and into the Gulf of Mexico. It's long gone. You know, where was the talk beforehand? You mentioned elections, you know, I know we've done on the career side, same thing, you know, On the volunteer side, when you get that newly appointed lieutenant or captain, you know, it's like, hey, let's sit down for a second. You know, come over here. Let me grab you. Look, I know you've been here a while or whatever, all that stuff, but just I want to make sure we're on the same page. And you know what I expect. You know what we're looking for as a chief of department or as a battalion assistant or whatever. You know, when we go somewhere, if I turn, if I'm already there and I look and I see you get off the rig, I'm expecting to get off dressed, ready to go, got their tools, so and so forth. You know, I I think that's one of the ways other departments look at you. And throw some respect at you, or in some cases, a little bit of envy, because they're like, God, those guys are always ready. Those guys and gals are always ready to go to work, man. You know, and it
0: shouldn't be, and it shouldn't be a surprise. You're doing an injustice to a young new officer if you're leaning on them or correcting them for doing something that you didn't instruct them about. You know, so I remember many times talking to officers, particularly in the volunteers, but even even in even in the FDNY, tell them, listen, if your chauffeur's driving too fast you're responsible. If your chauffeur has an accident, you're responsible. If your probie's not wearing all his gear on a run, you're responsible. If the firehouse is a mess, you're responsible. If the if the oil burner runs out of oil in the middle of January, in the, in the middle of the night, you're responsible. You can't, you can't tell me anything that you're not responsible for. It's almost impossible. So knowing that, I'm just letting you know right now that you're responsible for all that so you start paying attention to it. So you are paying attention to what's going on. You'll never forget to measure the fuel oil. In a firehouse in, in, in the Northeast, if you run out of fuel oil one night, you'll never forget to do it again. So it's, it's, it's easier to let folks know up front, you're responsible for everything, so stop paying attention to everything that's going on around you.
1: Well, if you're a boss, definitely sit down with that newly elected, newly appointed, or newly promoted, however you do, a career volunteer officer, especially the brand-new one, especially – when they make that leap from firefighter driver to that first company officer ranked lieutenant captain, it is so important to sit down and kind of explain and, and describe for them your expectations. So, so, so big to do that. If you want them to be successful, John, as we close this one out, we haven't done this for a while. I know we do it with um, the command posts a lot of times when we have a guest on or so on and so forth, but what advice, brand new, spanking brand new Lieutenant volunteer slash career doesn't matter. Lieutenant you're the chief of the department or the battalion chief. If you're a battalion chief or this is your new company officer or you're chief of your volunteer department, got a newly appointed lieutenant in a nutshell, what, what, what do you tell them? When you sit down, what do you, what do you tell this brand new officer? That that did.
0: Uh, I think I just said it, that they have to pay attention. Everything's going on around them. And if it looks right, it's right. And if it looks wrong, it's wrong. And if you see something that's not being done right, you, you got to make it right. You, you just can't, you can't let stuff just go on. Because well, I'm only working here for the day. Those aren't my firemen or whatever it is, you know. Just just keep things keep doing things right and make sure everybody around you is doing things right. And if they're not, correct them. That's all.
1: If you say, if you see say if you see something, say something, right? The whole thing right, That's the, his whole.
0: Never mistake. How about that? We'll talk about that some other time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another one. Another one uh, that we, we finish, hold your, your officers are uh, accountable. And uh, again, you don't have to be nasty about it. You have, once in a while, you got to get allowed, but on that, you got, got to be a boss, got got to be a learning experience, right? Exactly. You got to be able to, to do your job and we're not going to be good. We're not, we're not going to be good at all. It's, it's going to be, it, it, there's no, there's there, it's not an accident. They're not going to just show up and all of a sudden unzip and be super firefighters out there. They need good bosses. They need good leaders. They need people hold them accountable again, you know, ensuring that we do what we're supposed to do for those people out there, as John would say, them. Um, before we close this one out, John, I, I just want to mention one more time, and um, uh, we, we tried to mention the show a while ago, uh, just recently, we mentioned Dave, you know, Amboy, Dave Leffelman. Uh, God bless you, Dave. We miss you. Rest in peace, brother. You, you're a lifetime member, Amboy Volunteer Fire Department. What a great guy, and uh, there's a whole Whole ton of people that already miss you, brother. You'll, your legacy will live on forever. So thank you, Dave. We appreciate you. Love you, pal. Yep. John, email if they want to get a hold of you. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. That's another episode of Old School. Uh, spread the word. Get people to subscribe. Uh, we push these out on iTunes, on Spotify. Uh, uh, we, we do it on uh, the, uh, YouTube. Everywhere else we can, we get it out there for you. So uh, we try to hold them to. 30 minutes ish, you know, so it's something you can listen to on the way to firehouse or drill night or, or on the way to shift or while you're sitting around or whatever, working out. Hopefully uh, we've been covering some good things for you. Some people send us some suggestions. We appreciate that. But that wraps up another one. We appreciate you. Be safe. God bless you and take care. Bye.